and boom, we're live, just like that. We're here with Steve Ramos, graduate of graphic design, formerly a banker. What did you do at the bank? Were you a teller or were you? Yeah, pretty much. I uh, was at a customer service rep for uh, Roll Bank. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, an architecture dropout. I kind of like that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. And good life trainer. So you created FitPack as part of your thesis in graphic design school and launched the brand two years ago. Yeah. And currently pursuing your dream of building FitPack as a movement and lifestyle brand. So FitPack's fearless campaign launched today at noon, which if you're hearing this probably on Thursday, it's live. So go check it out. Uh, so congrats first off. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so how does it feel to be launching a new product line? Um, it's pretty nerve wracking, but also exciting at the same time. It's just a lot of work back end, as you guys know, when you guys have to set this stuff up. But I'm pretty proud of myself. Like, I feel like the last um, couple of years, my life's completely changed. And to think of where I started, to think of where I am now, it's huge. And uh, I mean, Chase and I have been working <laughs> together for a while. and. Yeah. Go a little ways back. Yeah, it's been, I mean, I've been independent for the last, like, three weeks to a month. And it feels good. It feels That's really, crazy. really good. So it's, like, kind of like a new birth for me to to be able to launch it and, and then be here with you guys. It's been, like, kind of serendipitous, but super grateful again for everything and... Yeah, thanks for I'm having grateful me. you're here. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah thanks, we're guys. grateful. I think that's the right word to <laughs> there be we go. Yeah, there we go. here. I don't know if people can see it. Um, so what is, uh, so people that don't know, like what is Fearless and where can they find it? So when I started the whole campaign thing, I'm just going to back it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, my father passed away about a year and a bit ago and I was so messed up, like, I mean, that was the hardest thing I ever had to go through. And I was so broken. Like, I was off work for three, four months. And I, I remember I was driving one day and I was just like, like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, am I supposed to quit? Like, is this like the time that I quit? Like, and I was so lost. And I was actually, uh, I had a credit for this movement and mobility course that I had initially taken in Toronto and after the first day um, that's when I got the call and saying that my dad was in the hospital so I left the course so anyways I got a credit for the course and I'm like driving that day and I was like I need to get out of here like what can I do to get out of here and I was like oh yeah I have a credit for this mobility course and so as I was driving looking at my phone um, saw that there was like a course in Santa Monica and I was like that's exactly where I want to go so I looked up the date, it was September 23rd. And so I called my girlfriend, I'm like, like, listen, like I gotta, I gotta go. Like I gotta go to California, I'm gonna take this course and it's gonna be my time for healing. And she's like, when is it? I'm like, the 23rd of September. She's like, you can't go that day cause that's like your 40th day. And so in the Filipino culture, it's like on the 40th day, that's like the one the spirit goes to heaven. And we have this big kind of party for him. And so I was like, you know, shit, I can't go. And so I kind of just like brushed it off. And then my mom was asking me how I was doing and I told her about it and she was like, you have to go. Like, this is for you, like dad knows it's okay, just go. So anyways, I ended up going to LA and I, as you guys can see, I have my journal with me and I have my productivity planner. Um, I still use that when I was there. And every morning I wake up, I meditate and then I journal and then I write in my planner. 
And so one morning I was meditating. It was like beautiful, like, you know, super hot outside. And I just was like, started crying and just thinking about my dad. And I just walked out on the street and I looked up and I saw a palm tree and I took a picture of it and I just wrote grateful and I posted it. And my brother messaged me right away. He's like, who wrote that? Like I wrote it. He's like, man, you need to make that something. I'm like, okay, kind of thought about it. And then all of a sudden I looked at my messages and I had like a bunch of messages from all these people like, who wrote that? Who wrote that? And I was like, it was me. And they're like, I think like you should make that something. And so that's kind of where this all started was I'm like, okay, well, I love um, sharing my knowledge in terms of like, not my knowledge, but kind of things that I'm doing to help heal myself. And I just put it out there. And I was like, okay, like I like the positive messaging, but through social media, just you post it and then it kind of goes away. And I'm like, well, maybe I can make this like a real thing. So maybe this is kind of the direction that FitPack is going to go is that the, the positive messaging can be done through clothing and gear. And that's kind of how it all started. And then I would brainstorm and then I just came out with thought of something about fearless. So it's not being fearless because fear is a great emotion. It, it just all depends on how you respond to it, right? And so I kind of got this from Tim Ferriss where it's not, the point is not to be fearless. The point is to fear less, meaning you put yourself in uncomfortable positions and the more and more that you do that, you just become more, un, you become more comfortable with the uncomfortable. So that's kind of where fearless came from. And I have like, if you look at my note section in my phone, I have like 500 notes of just ideas and content that's written. And in one of the note sections was like campaign ideas. The first one was grateful. The second one was um, fearless. And I had kind of planned out to make the hoodies and shirts and stuff like that. And then it just coincided with me quitting and with me being here. And I was so on the fence of quitting good life. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. My girlfriend's like, no, like, you have to. Like, this is like meant to be. Like, you're launching these things, like this, this hoodie. And it's going, it's coinciding exactly with fearless. Like you, you have to do it. And so I did. So this awesome. is what brings me here today. So a lot, very drawn out story, but no, no, not kind of the back end of I, how. I had no idea where the, the grateful actually came from. Yeah. So it was, it's interesting to hear that story and that it comes from such an, an emotional and deep place. Yeah. Um, and I think it means so much more now to, to hear that. Yeah. Um, so interesting to hear, like the fearless. I actually didn't think about that, that either. Like fearless, not fearless. Yeah. Um, but it makes sense, and it, it kind of goes with my my whole thing of of, of facing your fears so that the, you have less fears, right? Yeah. So, and, and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Those are all things I, I try to live by on a daily basis, even though I fail at them constantly. Yeah. So I, it really speaks to me. Um, in coming up with the the name of, of Fearless, did you have like uh, other ideas for names that you're going through or is that like you just knew that that's what you wanted it to be? I had um, Elevate, which was the one before actually. It was probably one of the first things I thought of before even Grateful. But then it just kind of went with it. Like it just was perfect timing. So I was just like, I have to do it now. And I, and I got the idea from Tim Ferriss. He actually had a podcast with Vince Vaughn and it was called 
fear less. I have yet to listen to that one. So I saw good. that one, yeah. And so, yeah, it was just like, I heard it and I'm like, man, like that's, like that means so much to me. Cause like throughout me putting Fitback out, like I, um, and just, again, just to back it up, I was in school for architecture. Uh, I love design, but I suck at math. <laughs> and so I literally was in school for six years and I pretty much dropped out of every class you could think of. I had 27, um, uh, volunt in what are they called? Voluntary, uh, withdrawals. Yeah. Withdrawals. withdrawals. So yeah. I had 27 credit hours of voluntary withdrawals. And I think you're allowed 30 before you're suspended. I didn't know there was a limit to it. So yeah, this is like, yeah. So I'm 34 now. I was in school when I was 17, like at U of M and for the longest time, like my mom was like, you should probably go into graphic design. But I thought, I'm like, man, graphic design, like that sucks. Like you can't make money off of that. Like that's not my thing. So anyways, I was in school for like six years, like on and off. And then I uh, dropped out and uh, sorry, backing it up one more time. <laughs> I had, um, a there's a course called basic design. And I was like, whoa, this course sounds like interesting. I think I want to take it. And it was like back in the day when you had to like call Aurora to like book in. Like, I don't know if you were, if you remember that, but. Yep. So I looked it up. It was full. So I waited and then another class popped up and I was like, this is perfect. And I registered for it, got in and I failed pretty much every other course that I hadn't dropped out of except this one course. And I remember the guy, the guy walked in on the first day, his name's Darren Stebaleski. And our, one of our first assignments, we had to do this like parkour assignment where we had to like pick a line anywhere on the campus. And then we had to sketch it out. So I love lines. I love drawing. And so I did it. And then we had our very first critique and I'm not sure if you guys have ever done a critique, but it's pretty much like how the, this looks like everyone puts their work up and then everyone talks about it. And so I put my work up and then he was looking, looking, looking. He points at this one. He's like, who did this? I'm like, put my hand up. I'm like me. He's like, what are you going into? I'm like architecture. He's like, you should probably go into graphic design. <laughs> and anyway, so he was, um, one of my mentors, like before I even knew what a mentor was. Yeah. And he kind of helped guide me and he helped kind of, he believed in me before I even believed in myself. Long story short, I, when I dropped out, I was working at the bank for six years, hated my life, like absolutely hated my life. And I had my sketchbook with me. So I worked there for the first three, four years before I got into graphic design. I finally decided to apply for graphic design and there was a portfolio requirement and me being me, I left it literally till the night before. And I had to do like seven to eight like sketches and the sketches were not small. They were like big. And so, uh, my brother graciously helped me and he stayed up for the whole night and he helped me complete this portfolio. So if people that grab uh, at Red River <laughs> knew about this, way, right but yeah, like <laughs> I passed, like they, they saw this one sketch my brother did of a leather jacket. They're like that, this detail's insane. I'm like, it is. They're like, you did a great job. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I got That's in nice little did they know that my brother helped me do half the portfolio. But anyway, so got into a graphic design and 
it was the orientation day. And so I'm sitting there and guess who walks in? Darren Stebleski. And as soon as he walks in, he's looking around. He looks at me. He's like, Steve. <laughs> and it was like such a serendipitous moment oh. that I had dropped out years. I, had, I hadn't seen him in like four but to five years. he remembered years. you. He remembered me. And he ended up being my prof for graphic design. Wow. And so graphic design, the, the uh, diploma is two years. And then the advanced diploma is a, a year. So you have to apply to get in. And he was like, dude, you need to take this advanced diploma. Like, trust me, do it. And I wasn't ready to go out on my own. So I ended up taking it. And then that's how FitPack was created. It was a, uh, pretty much like our thesis for the year. And it all started with like coming, like researching uh, something, like literally anything. So I researched like the evolution of fitness. And then from there it was like, okay, pick a name of what you want to brand make a logo and then make marketing items and, and stuff like that. So that's literally how it started. Um, one of the, the last part of it was like, you have to go balls to the wall, think of something that you could, that would be ridiculous. And my buddy, Dave, uh, looks like Jesus, six foot tall, hippie, <laughs> um, looked at me. He's like, dude, you should train me. I'm like, that's so stupid, but I'll do it. <laughs> and so anyways, as part of my thesis, I, I trained him. And then he got so hyped up. And then all of a sudden, my buddy Tyler's like, can you train me? I'm like, I'll fucking train you. And then it was like, Chris came <laughs> yeah. on. And then and it, anyways, I ended up training like nine people. And then that's literally how FitPak was born. Wow. That, that, so that was part of your thesis was training people. My the thesis was creating a brand. Okay, and, and, then, and then training people is part of building that brand. was part of that. And so, like, it was just everyone had their own projects. Everyone's projects were so different. And then this literally was mine. So, and it, like, very, again, long, drawn story, but that's kind of how it all started. That's an amazing well, it, story. Yeah. It seems that those, those chance meetings sometimes or those chance conversations that sometimes seem – they might seem insignificant until you actually look back upon them. Like it's having that conversation in class or having somebody look at your work and just say, you, this is what you should be doing. This is your calling. And then maybe you don't think of it right then. Maybe you revisit it years later, but then you get drawn back to it. And then that chance meeting to see him again and the fact he was your prof and mentor. And then like, yeah. and then even the fact that you had somebody who wanted you to train them and, and brought mobility, movement, fitness in, incorporated in it too. It seems that these these encounters, I think you said serendipitous, but it's like, yeah, it's more than just chance encounters. It's not just, you know, it doesn't simply just happen. It's, I mean, it depends if you believe in things like fate or or um, more than just mere coincidence, mm -hmm. but it's, it's great when you just have that connection or that certain person that believes in you and puts you on that path, and then you just head towards it. And I think that's that's something that I really um, got from those stories is like you sort of are jumping into the life of making this clothing that you believe in. Yeah. And especially with the creative process, it seems that it's something that that stems from within too. Yeah. I mean that story about your father, um, and but then being grateful, like getting to that point where you're grateful about life, about you know the experiences you've had, yeah. about the time you had with all these things. But it seems that it's like you, there's something about the creative process and just it has to come internally too. And sure. so I thought that was 
I, I don't know, that really spoke to me too. Um, so what was it like in the creative process coming up with this in the very beginning? It was so hard because I didn't believe in myself. Like I literally sat on not doing anything. Like I didn't do anything. Like I, as soon as I ended up, uh, was at RBC and then I graduated, I ended up finally quitting, even though like I hated my life there. I couldn't quit because it was so comfortable. And my first uh, job was through U of W and I got offered a position um, as a graphic designer there. The only thing was the contract was for three weeks. Oof. And so I met uh, the director and he was like, yeah, we love your work. We'd love to hire you. But yeah, the only thing is like, we can't hire you full time. We only have a three week contract available for you. And so I was at the bank and even though like I graduated and like, this is what I was waiting for, I couldn't quit. And my girlfriend at the time was the one that actually found the link for me because I was too scared to move on. She's like, listen, like you have to do this for yourself. You know, you're in such a low place. Like, why are you staying here? And I just, I couldn't do it. And so she was the one that sent my resume in. She was the one that sent them my website at the time. And so anyway, she looked at me, she's like, listen, you have to, you have to take the leap. And so I went back and had another meeting with him and I ended up saying like, yeah, like, you know, like I'm at a job right now that I've been there for six plus years, but I think I'm going to do it. He's like, are you sure? Like, I can't commit anything more than three weeks to you right now. And I'm like, I think it's time. So anyways, I ended up quitting and I worked there for a bit. And then through that chance meeting, um, one of the art directors from Mondetta, who, which is a fitness clothing brand, uh, heard that I was uh, working for them and he ended up offering me a position as soon as my three-week contract ended. Nice. And so then as soon as that ended, I started working through Mondetta. And so that's kind of literally how it started by me being around, you know, the vibe and environment of people building like a business that's fitness related. And so I did all their designs that edited all the photos and I was there for about six to seven months, but then the same thing, it just, it, I felt empty. So I was like, okay, like I went to school for design. I thought that's what I was supposed to do my whole life. And I'm here and I'm unhappy. And so my girlfriend at the time ended up finding a, res or a posting for a good life. And she sent it to me. And cause I had been telling her, I'm like, you know, my friends have been telling me for years, like you should probably be a trainer. And I'm like, no, I'm not good enough. Like, I don't think that that's my thing. I think design's my thing. And I had been training at the time for oh, like 10 to 12 years and been super consistent. And what I didn't realize was training for me was medicine. It was like mm -hmm. a form of meditation. Um, I was in an extremely dark place. On the outside, I seemed very positive because was, it was so automatic for me to just kind of be in that place. But mentally, like inside, internally, I was so unhappy. I was full, like full on depressed. And before I ended up quitting Good Life or Royal Bank, 
and I apologize again, I'm like going all over the place. Um, I had a sketchbook on my desk and this is, I would say, this was um, my last year of school in Red River College. And it was around the time before I started training like the guys in class. And so I had my sketchbook on my desk and I was on a call, the bank, and I was doing my homework. And then as soon as my call finished, some chick walked by and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like my homework for that I have due tomorrow. And she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm super stressed. Like, I don't know how I'm going to finish this. And she's like, you know, you could go to your doctor and if you tell him that you're like really stressed, maybe you can get in a stress leave and like, maybe you can get paid. And I'm like, I could do that. And my, the doc, my doctor is actually my God parent. So I'm like, no problem. I can call him and whatnot. So I ended up making an appointment with him and I was like, how can I make this legit? Like, I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. So I went into the office and I was like extremely stressed, which I actually was. And, um, Ninong means godparent in, in Filipino. So I was like, Ninong, like, you know, like I'm like super depressed and I'm like, I can't take it. Like I'm in school full time. I'm working full time. I'm like, I have no money. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with myself right now. Like I want to kill myself. And it just came out and I was fuming from the inside. And he was like, he's like, Steve, listen, like, calm down. Like, you're going to be okay. You know, like you're fine. And I was like, no, I'm not. He's like, okay, I'll give you a couple days off and then we'll meet again. We'll just see how you're doing. So he gave me a couple days off and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this is not good enough. Like I need to get off school so I can get paid and then do my homework. And so I saw him again and he was like, how you doing? I'm like, it's the same thing. And I'm like, I've been feeling this for three years. Like I, it's, it, I need to be off work. So anyways, he's like, okay, I'll give you a couple weeks. Same thing. Ended up seeing him again two weeks later. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you uh, three months off. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, perfect. This is all I needed. So I went into work, gave him my notice. And then I was like probably the worst employee there because I called in sick all the time. I was late like every day. And I could tell my boss at the time was pretty annoyed because she probably just thought I was trying to mess around to get mm -hmm. off work. And so she was like, okay, like in order to be approved to get paid, you have to see a therapist. And I was like, mm, like, do I have to? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, so in my head, I'm like, Hey, whatever. If I get paid and I'm off work, I'm good. I'll, I'll see the therapist. Sure. So I went and saw the therapist and it was like such a weird feeling to be in there because I didn't want to admit that maybe I did have a problem. And so the first thing was I sat down and she gave me this questionnaire to fill out. And so I filled out this questionnaire and then after it was finished, she looked at me and she's like, so you're clinically depressed. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, like, no, I'm not like the whole reason I'm here is so I can get off work and get paid. And so I kind of went along with it. And so she started asking me questions about my family. And as soon as she did that, I just broke down. And I cried so hard and, and in my head, I'm like, no, like this can't be like, this can't be happening. Like, this is not the way that this was supposed to happen. So I went in my car and I was so pissed. 
I cried for a whole hour before I, cause I had to go back to school to do homework, but I literally had to stay in my car for the hour cause I was bawling. And then, so anyways, I was like, nope, this is not happening. Like I'm good. So I had to see her again. But then the more and more that I saw her, I sort of realized like, okay, like maybe I actually have a problem. Like maybe, maybe like it's okay that I'm depressed. And then anyways, I ended up, long story short, I actually didn't get paid. So like the insurance company was like, listen, like because you're in school, you should be able to work. So we can't pay you. So I didn't get paid for any of it, but Ouch. it was okay. Because if I hadn't said that, like if that chick hadn't said that to me at, at, at work, I would have never approached my, um, my godparent and told them that, you know, I was thinking about suicide, which I actually was like, I used to joke around about it. And, and my buddy was like, listen, man, you like, you, you say it a lot. And I, I always said it as a joke and I would laugh. But like, when oh. I actually thought about it, it was like, all the time. That was your way of trying to deal with it. It's probably joking around. Totally. Right? Yeah. And so it, um, yeah, it, it really affected me. And, and I ended up like just stopping the sessions and then I kind of just brushed it under the rug. And then I just kind of was like, oh, whatever, I'm good. But I wasn't. <laughs> and then only in the last two years or so when I launched it, that's when everything changed. And I remember I was at home and I was like, Hey, like I'm graduated from graphic design school. That's what I thought I was supposed to do. I'm so unhappy. So now I'm a trainer at the gym and I'm so unhappy. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I was with my brother and my girlfriend and my brother's like, dude, you need to put out fit pack, man. And I'm like, it's not good enough. Like, I don't have my mission statement. I don't have my target audience. I don't have any of that stuff. He's like, shut up, just do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I had already created the page a year prior to that, which had nothing on it. And maybe like a week or so before my girlfriend was like, you know, you got to stop making, or you, you, you're making logos for all of your friends who are starting business, like fitness business companies. Why don't you do the same for yourself? Like, why don't you design me clothing? Why don't you like sketch stuff out, like, you know, and I'm like, I'm not good enough. And she's like, you are like, everything's done. Your, your logo is done. The name's done. Like, just put it out. And so I'm like, I got to change the name. My brother's like, shut up. Like, just do it. It's perfect. Fit pack is you do it. So I posted it. And then literally the next morning I was going to throw up and I was freaking out and I'm like, no one likes it and blah, blah, blah. My girlfriend's like, you just posted it, like relax. And she's like, nobody cares. Just get over yourself. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. And that's where like this came into play. Um, my friend called me and was like, dude, I found this book. And he's like, I think it's going to help you. He's like, I got to come over. And I'm like, sure. So he came over and he showed me this book called the productivity planner. And by the way, I should probably be their spokesperson because <laughs> I, I've honestly gotten like probably like 20 plus people on this book. But anyways, I'm very, my mind, as you can tell in this podcast is all over the place and I need structure. And that's part of the reason why good life's helped me because like they're very structured, like they do well because of, you know, like they have so many people working for them, but mm -hmm. um, it gave me structure on how to assemble yourself as a trainer and a businessman. So this productivity planner does the same. 
where it kind of pumps you up on how to learn how to ta- like plan your day. But then it uses a Pomodoro technique, which is a 25-minute bubble. So you set your five tasks for the day and no more. And you pick your number one task based on the most annoying thing that you need to do, that you know you need to do. And then you just time yourself. And so anyways, I started doing this thing. And like, as soon as my buddy came over to show me the book, I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is literally the book that's going to help me. And so I went and bought the book. And that same day that I freaked out and was like, I'm going to throw up. And my girlfriend was like, Hey, relax. Like the post is fine. Just keep going. And I'm like, I don't know what to do though. Like, I don't know what to post. And she's like, just maybe start with the planner and just start there. And so I literally sat there for an hour trying to plan my week and I wrote nothing. And I looked over and my buddy who also like recommended this book had given me two books prior to that, two years ago, two years prior. The first book was Instagram Power. The second book was Tribes by Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting there and about 45 minutes later or so, I looked over and on the bookshelf that my girlfriend cleaned was this book. And it was Tribes. I was like, oh, sweet. First task, read Tribes. And that's all I wrote. That's all I wrote. And so the next morning I woke up early and this was before we had turf. It was like when we had like the A-frame and the... Per- per- yeah, the yeah. A-frame and the old uh, training section. Yeah. So I... You remember how we had this power rack in the corner and then there was like the the stretching mat. Yep. So I woke up at six, got to the gym by 6.30. I had the pipe, uh, foam roll, I was foam rolling and I had the book. Foam rolling my calves, reading the first page. And I was like, boom, I got my first idea. I wrote it down. So I foam roll for a bit. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna bike. So I was biking, reading, reading on the third, fourth page. I'm like, whoa, I got another idea. Wrote it down. And so then I stopped. I'm like, so you're telling me that if I just read, I'll get ideas? And then I was like, no problem. So then literally, like, that's when everything started. And I just started reading books on books on books, listening to podcasts, came across Tim Ferriss, came across Tony Robbins. And that's where I got grateful. Tony Robbins interviewed, or no, Tim Ferriss interviewed Tony Robbins. And then he talked about... Um, Uh, the act of gratitude and in his planner he would write three things he was grateful for the first thing was someone he's grateful for that in in his life this is tony robbins sorry this is uh tim ferris and the second thing is something that he's grateful for that's going to happen and then the third thing is something that he's grateful for that's like extremely simple like i'm grateful for this cup of coffee i have here And that was my second task I wrote down. And so anyways, I started journaling because Tim Ferriss journaled and because Tony Robbins journaled. I think the reason that I relate to both of them is because they're very analytic and I'm very linear that way. And I need structure and, and Tim Ferriss is very, very structured. And so that was the first thing I did. And I wrote in my journal, I am grateful for, and I did the three things. I didn't write anything else. And I did that every day. And this is all around the same time that I started the planner. This is all around the same time that I just launched Fitpack. And literally 
before I knew it, that was when my internal healing started happening because I started to reframe my mind instead of thinking of what I didn't have instead of to think of what I did have. But I didn't know what I was doing yet. I was just doing it just because that's what they did. And then slowly I started to realize like, whoa, like I'm positive. Like I could actually be happy. Like I don't have to be this angry person that I used to think I was. And literally that's kind of how it, it all started. So much of it grows. I think of starting what ended up becoming this podcast, but was initially the, the Young Professionals group. And it was reading the book, Jen Sincero's You're a Badass, et cetera. Oh, I yeah, forget the, cool. yeah, the yeah, words yeah. after that. But one part of that book, and, and some of it was, a, I really only remember this one part vividly, and that it, it says, put down this book and start something right now. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, but start something. And so it, it forced me to sit down and ask myself, what, what am I at my core? What are my values? What do I enjoy? What are my talents? What do I feel that I can give the world or, or create for the world or share with other people? And I knew it was some sort of sharing ideas and just conversation and knowledge. And so it was I found a website called meetup.com and started a meetup group and cool. surrounded myself with like-minded people. And eventually a core group of that ended up starting this podcast. And it sort of developed and, and things change and, and it requires effort. And, and yet when you start heading towards something, all of a sudden these answers start coming. Totally. Like it, totally. You, you find them in different places. And so... You start reading more books, and then it mm -hmm. seems to sometimes reflect what you're going through, especially if you're um, open to finding. Usually, you'll find a book that has the title that you know. Yeah, you're looking for. Yeah, that you're looking yeah. for, mm -hmm. and so it's and then you find those helpful ideas and thoughts, and and yet it builds a sense of purpose. Totally. And I think that that's the biggest thing, and, and that I saw in your story is once you have that sense of purpose and you start building towards it that becomes fulfilling and then you sort of start to you're engaged with life mm -hmm. you're motivated to do all these things and then it, it can really um, bring you up and I had a very similar experience I can't say it's the exact same but that summer leading up to the creation of this and reading that yep. book I was unemployed and I had looked at starting my own youth programming was my my idea I, I spent a lot of time with um, I spent two seasons with a local professional sports organization running a lot of their youth programming, excuse me, <clears throat> running a lot of their youth programming and a lot of varied programming as well. But I knew that I could connect with youth mm -hmm. and teach them essential movement skills and just connect and, and help them build. And so I created a full business plan and, and came up with an idea of how I could unveil it and then nothing worked out how I wanted it to. And it brought me to this space of now what? Mm -hmm. Because it was, this isn't working. I need food in the fridge, a roof over my head. You know, I wasn't willing to move back home or anything. It just sort of, I, I still was independent, but just, it was that, it was that negative experience of just that mind state where you're like, what am I supposed to be doing if it's not this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was a really difficult thing. And that led me to that summer. I was running and I was I was trying. You know, I wasn't staying at home and wallowing in self-pity. I was going out there, going for runs, trying different mm -hmm. things. And, and yet 
career-wise, I didn't know what to do. But it was actually one day just going to my parents' place and talking to my mom and having her call me out and just say, you're depressed. And that moment, I, I was trying to be strong through all that, and I went and I broke down instantly. And and it's it's tough to go through that and just to admit to yourself yeah. even is the hardest thing. So hard. Um, and I think I still suffer. I think it's a, a, a sign of creative types where if you're not creating, you feel empty. Yeah. And so that emptiness was just, it's consuming because you go, what's my purpose? What's my meaning? Why am I here? What am I doing? And so then to have, and, and all these things sort of fell in place. And I, I, for a short period of time, worked at Good Life. It was a quick transition into what I'm doing now. Um, and, and then all of a sudden I started this meetup group and then all of these things started to, it snowballed in a positive effect. It gave me purpose and it gave me something to look forward to. It gave me somewhere to put energy. It gave me a reason to build all my skills. And so that was part of the healing process. And I feel like most people go through those times. Mm. Like, I don't know of too many people that don't suffer either loss or those times when they're down or, or maybe question their purpose. So it's, it's once you get to that point and once you start building, it just becomes that much more fulfilling. For sure. Um, I just wanted to touch base on uh, what you were saying about, like, and kind of what you were talking about too. And just kind of, as you grow older, you kind of look back at the points that kind of changed your life and, and kind of respect them more and are grateful for sure. More as you grow older, yeah. and it, you don't, you may not know, like you said, Riley, you may not notice it at the time, but then you get, when you get older, you're like, oh yeah, I guess that that professor, that instructor, or that point in my life did make a huge impact in in, in putting me on the path I am today. And uh, what you said about anger and how you were angry at everything um, resonated with me because that that's essentially who I was in my early twenties before when I was uh, severely overweight. And and just angry at the world because I was I was jobless I was nearly homeless I was broke um, I was about to get kicked out and the big thing was I was overweight I was overweight for my entire life and I I, I was coming to the point where I was just like I was just going to accept being overweight I'm like there's nothing I can do about mm -hmm. it it's just the way my body is and and one day I was it uh, it like it all got to me at once like it just summed up into like this ball of anger. And, and I, the way I released it was basically I punched a hole in my wall, I punched a hole or not a hole, but I punched the floor and then I went for a walk in the rain with a, it, an extremely inflamed hand because I almost broke it. Yeah. Um, and I walked in the rain for about three hours and just to try to figure out, I'm like, why am I so angry? Why am I so angry to everyone and everything? Why am I blaming everyone for my problems? And then I was like, and then I came to a conclusion that like I needed to stop blaming everybody else for where I am and not that I needed to start blaming myself. I needed to to redirect my anger as something more productive. I needed to to change something. And the only thing, well I'm like, I'm not gonna get a job tomorrow. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be less broke come tomorrow. What's the one thing I can do? I mean I can be healthier. So I that's when I started running. And I, six months, a, month, a year down the road when I lost the, like 150 pounds just by running, that's when I realized I'm like, wow, I can change something. And that, like, I'm not stuck. Like, you can change whatever you need to change. It just it requires that effort and it requires you to take that step into what's uncomfortable. 
And um, even now, like I forget that at times I, I find myself kind of coming back onto that angry yeah. side and I get angry to everyone or I, I, not everyone, but I'll put people under the gun sometimes and talk down to them and I don't mean to. And then I'll have to take a step back. I'm like, why am I doing this? What am I unhappy with right now? And, and you know what? It still gets to me every now and then. And, and that's where I kind of introduce my, my personal development journal where I go in and, and write write uh, things that I need to do down. And, and it, I like that you brought up the, the five things and you start with the most annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, I, I can't remember the exact saying, but it goes something like, um, if you, the worst thing you had to do every day was eat a frog. Would you do it at the beginning of the day or the end of the day? And it goes something like, you should be doing it at the beginning of the day and get it over with because if that's the worst part of your day, then everything else in comparison to eating that frog every day is not is nothing, yeah. right? So you get that out of the way and then everything else becomes so much easier. Totally. Yeah. So it's it just spoke to me and, and yeah, I, it's just redirecting anger in, in, a, in a proper way, I think, and... And I think you did it in the, the best way you knew how to, right? Yeah. I've come to that in planning, too. It's, it's funny because I didn't read something that told me to come up with five, but it, often it's three, but then there are certain things that are the non-negotiable things that I'm going to do every day, which is work out. I try and read and write every day. At certain times, especially right now, I find my energy levels with winter. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning, so my workout turns into an afternoon workout. But then it's typically three things in the evening when I'm done work that I want to accomplish. So there's, my list is five things, but I think that that's the magic number. If you're going to be working a lot of hours during the day, whether it's your career or your job, there's only certain amount of things that you can do beyond yeah. that. But it's, it's important. It's, it's sort of, you can kind of tell when people are living a chaotic life or an organized life by, cause chaos, I think breeds more chaos. If you, get home on Monday and you go out and have drinks and then you don't accomplish anything, then you're less productive the next day. And so it's easy to fall into that sort of mind state and that sort of place. Um, the other side of things, I don't know why it's coming up at this moment, but it's also when you're living a creative life or, or creating your own thing, you live this life that... <laughs> so. When you're working for someone else, it seems closed off sometimes where I think in your story a couple times you talked about, you know, you always got to this point where you just felt like low and you just didn't feel like you were kind of in charge of your own life. I know that's my words, but then all of a sudden when you're doing your own thing, it's like that caps off and it can be anything. And it's just that like, I think of the mind blown sort of like Mm -hmm. everything because you can, you can start to build and you can create and you can find the answers and you can, it's, it becomes an adventure and it becomes fun to be living in your own skin. And you want to do those things. You want to be productive and you want to, you want to bring your energy into life and things too. So I just find that that's. I don't know. I, I, I feel that in my own life, but it's cool to see the stories. I think that's one of my favorite things about this podcast is sitting down with people and realizing the similarities between people who are doing maybe completely different things, but you, you can find there's these things that link us as people yeah. and you can find that in just about everybody's story. Mm-hmm. And that's, I find that that's such a cool and amazing thing. Um, trying to think of where we should head next. Let me, let me, I'm going to say a few things yeah. here. Like, uh, so first off, like, thank you guys for sharing uh, and congrats to both of you. 
we're all human beings and we just want to connect and be loved and show love. And, and like, if we were to just like take everything else, take everything out the window, like that's the core of everybody. And everyone in this world has a purpose. And I, I truly believe that everyone has something to offer the world to help people, whatever, whatever medium that is, whether that's through working out, whether that's through a podcast, whether that's through clothing or, or art, it's a medium that helps other people. And I'm grateful that you guys have found that and that you're on your journey. And I, and I wish that everyone on the face of this earth could get that self-realization for themselves because unfortunately not everybody does. Well, what's the stat you told me on our, when we were driving here, Riley, to say about, I, I you hope don't I'm not making up a stat, but it's somewhere between 75 and 90% of people are unsatisfied with their career and their mm -hmm. job and what they do for work. I think, I think a lot of people think that that is normal and mm -hmm. it shouldn't be. I don't think that should be the standard for normalcy is being unhappy with what you're doing and yeah, being depressed. And, and I, hate that I felt that for a lot of my life too and I mean even now there's times where I still feel it and um, interesting enough I came across um, a, an interesting uh, condi not condition I can't say condition I guess syndrome um, that Emma Watson actually has she's a the famous mm -hmm. actress there uh, that was in uh, Harry Potter and I'm sure Hermione. many other, many other films yeah Hermione um, but uh, that I'd never heard of before about a month ago. And it, it like resonated me with like nothing else. And I thought this was just a normal thing for my entire life. And it's called imposter syndrome. I don't know if you two have heard of that. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's doing something good and, and ac accomplishing something, but instead of feeling accomplished by it, you get the feeling that someone's gonna catch you or you're a fraud or mm -hmm. that like what you did wasn't right. There's an immoral value in it. And it resonated with me so much. I'm like, that that's me. Like that's hundred yeah. percent everything I do. Like I, I like the process of doing, but once I do it, I feel like I'm gonna get caught or something. And that's in any job that I do, even at at Good Life as a trainer, yeah. when I'm trying to help when someone loses weight, but I'm like, Oh, they're gonna find out that I'm a fraud. But I'm like, I'm not though. I've been working out for ten plus years of my life. Yeah. Like I'm not a fraud. And I have to like try to remind myself, but like it's it's an interesting thing because I thought that was just what everyone felt my entire life, but it's not normal. Yeah. So for people that are like that are like not happy with where they are, that they're, they're depressed and are feeling lonely, things like that, those like don't let that be the normal. Like go do something, find someone, and like you said, like that's we all want to be connected in some way, right? Yeah, it's. Uh it, yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful thing to come across that realization. But I think that awareness is the first step to change. So like if you were to imagine yourself like in a prison, like a mental prison, a lot of people don't realize that they keep themselves in that prison like, like I did. And I, the second book I read was uh, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And I was sitting in the basement foam rolling again <laughs> and uh, there was a book that was under the coffee table and someone had given it to my brother. And so I read the title and I'm like, oh, like this means like start now. I'm like, perfect. Like this is, this is what I need. 
And so I started reading the book and it had nothing to do with that. It was so word heavy that I, it was like a tiny book, but it was almost uncomfortable for me to read because it was so dense and I, and I couldn't understand it. So I just was like, okay, I'm just going to bear with it. I'm just going to keep reading it. And then I got to a section where he was like, you, you are not your thoughts. And that literally shook my world. Cause I'm like, what do you mean? Like I am my thoughts like, cause they're me. And he was like, no, like your, you, your thoughts are not you. Like you don't have to jump on every thought that comes in your mind and let it take you away because it's not real. So if you think you're unhappy, you're not it only if you believe you are. And, and then that literally made me step and be like, whoa, like I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be sad. I could be happy. And he talked about the power of now, which is being present in the now. And it's, I was always either worrying about the future or living in the past and thinking of all these things that happened to me and like, why did this happen to me and all this stuff. But it was like, no, like you, you find that happy medium, like right in the middle where it's like beautiful. Like, cause if you think about it right now, there's nothing wrong. And you, it's, I always have to catch myself and bring myself back in the present moment. But like, that's, if you actually stop and think like, wow, like I'm in, a beautiful building, like with two beautiful men that are, <laughs> oh. that are, you know, like sharing their story with me and they're, they're, you guys are having me on the show. Like, I'm so grateful for that, you know, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I think I want to talk about meditation a little bit more. Um, but lately, and I've come to this realization about myself, and I think it's along the same lines as what we're talking about, but I've been listening to the audiobook. I finally got into audiobooks, thanks to Jace. Woo. Thanks, Audible. You know, you could sponsor us if you want. Um, but no, I've been listening to Brene Brown's um, Daring Greatly. Sick. And it's actually not one of my favorite books I've ever read, especially in the personal professional mm -hmm. development realm. But there's a chapter on perfectionism. And at first I wanted to, to you know, to, to say that I wasn't that way. But then she started explaining some of the symptoms that a perfectionist has. And I think that I, I fit that description so much. And I, I realize it's like, sometimes we worry about doing things perfect and we want every little piece of everything to be exactly how we imagine it. And just that's not sustainable and that's not realistic. And it's, it's better to do, I'm thinking of a quote of somebody, I can't remember the full thing, but it's like, it's better to do it half-assed than to not do it at all. Yeah. So just, you, you do the thing, whatever it is, the, the five tasks, do it badly. I think Jordan Peterson says it, like, go out, do it badly. It's better than not doing it at all. And then it starts that momentum, right? And then the other piece of that, I think, along the, the mindset is the positive self-talk. So there's the negative self-talk and the positive self-talk. And actually, another book that I'm reading has, I can't think of the title, it's Happiness is part of the title. Um, but part of that is when you work in a job and it's something along the lines that I do, when you're looking for inconsistencies or things that are wrong, then you start to look for that in your daily life. So the lawyer goes home at the end of the day and comes up with like the six things that his wife like does the deposition of like, okay, yeah. she, well, she didn't finish the <laughs> dishes. She didn't take the, you know, the kids haven't went outside or aren't cleaned up or whatever and starts to like, 
you know, so you're focused on the negative things or like you nitpick and you, yes. and you just, so if your mind's constantly there, you've trained your mind to be looking for inconsistencies or negative things. Mm-hmm. And so the adverse is true. You can, you can rewire your brain to start to find the positives in things too. So they even said in, in that case, they, um, they tried a psychological experiment with people and it was along the lines of writing down three things you're grateful for and it's something that I've tried to do lately is do a gratitude list, like the 10 things in the day. And it could be simple. It could be vast. Like it could be like my health, my family, or it could be like that cup of coffee, but just simple things, whatever you're grateful for. And I think that I want to make it a consistent thing. Um, I have tried meditation in the past. I always struggle to find the time. I know that sounds silly because it's like you can always carve out time for important yeah. things. But it's sort of that quick mindfulness technique where you can come up with those 10 things, you think positively, and I want to see the effects. Like, I'm hoping that it will have a lasting impact on mm-hmm. myself. Totally will. Like, I'm going to read something I have in my journal here that I wrote this morning about you guys. Um, but going before that, I Tim Ferriss, honestly, is like, there's Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, Lewis Howes, uh, Eckhart Tolle. Like, mm-hmm. those guys literally have helped and my my friend Amin said who like they've been like my mental coaches and mentors um i've had a few more obviously like Darren Stableski and some of my teachers and and old bosses but um Tim Ferriss really has helped me in a sense that like the grateful thing has helped reframe my mind in terms of what i think of and how i think and Today I wrote, uh, I'm grateful for uh, Be the Change. And then what I have changed, instead of me thinking and saying what I'm grateful for that's going to happen for myself, I try to think of what I'm grateful for that's going to happen for that person. So for you guys, I wrote, I'm grateful that Be the Change guys are living the dreams that they've set out for themselves. And And I try to think about that positivity that, almost like law of attraction for the people that I say that I'm grateful for. And I almost find that it's like when I give that to, to, to whoever I'm thinking about, it makes me feel so much better than it's not just about myself. And it's given me more compassion for people. Like I even will do this for if I'm having a difficult time with like someone and I'll make sure that I'll wake up first thing in the morning and I'll write, I'm grateful for this person and I'm grateful for that they find inner peace for themselves and is literally giving me more compassion to understand that they're a human as well. We all make mistakes, but it like, we all mess up and that's okay. Yeah. And like just being, you know, like, like looking at the core of someone and saying, you're just like me. You're just like me, you know? And like me, I was a little bit nervous because like I was launching Fearless today. Plus being on the podcast, I was like, oh man, like I don't know what I'm going to do. But anyways, I just wrote like, you know, my intention for today is to speak from the heart. And like whenever I do things like that with just writing, it's literally like my other form of like meditation because I spit it out and it's almost like it clears like that garbage that's in my head. Mm-hmm. And going back to Tim Ferriss, he talked about meditation and he used an app called Calm. Or sorry, uh, Headspace. Headspace is cool because right. it's... I remember you uh, telling me yeah. about this one. So the guy's got like this wicked British voice and I'm very, very visual and it's a 10 day trial and the first day is like a minute or two minute meditation 
but that at the end of the meditation, there's a, a cartoon like video explaining like what happened, like what meditation is. And so the, one of the first uh, videos was like this little dude sitting like on a lawn chair, like on a highway. And he's like, okay, so you're this guy sitting on the lawn chair. And then all the cars that are passing on the highway are your thoughts. And it's just driving by. And so you can sit back as a bystander and just look at the thoughts, or you can jump on each car and let it just take you wherever. And when I started to realize like, oh, I don't have to jump on that thought and be like, you know, cause your mind will spin some crazy shit in your head, but like you can just stop it. And like when I started doing that, that's kind of what helped me start the meditation process. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. And now I've been meditating every day since I started about three years, two, two, over two years ago. And yeah, through the meditation, through the journaling, which are my num which is my number one task every day. Um, I do that first thing. So to go back on your point, it's like, I used to be like, no, fit packs number one. So if I have to make content, num my, my content's number one, but it's like, no, like before that, but it's, it's, it's what goes on in my head. I have to create that stillness. I have to create that calmness so that when I approach the day, if shitty things happen, I don't just jump and just lose it. I'm, I have a little bit of space so that I can kind of respond and be like, no, like it's okay. And so like, that's literally my number one task is as soon as I wake up, I brush my teeth and I meditate. Now I can do 15 to 20 minutes unguided nice. and I just sit there. And sometimes honestly, I probably fall asleep, <laughs> but like, I'm so adamant about doing it. And I think that I've always been that way without even me realizing, like I started working out, um, when I was 20, I actually started working out when I was 17, um, as part of our gym class. And I, I worked out one time and I, bought a tight shirt and I was like, yeah, I'm jacked. You know, I barely <laughs> ate. I was like 120 pounds. And then I ended up moving to Calgary to do construction. And I was there for about a summer and I ate fast food like four times a day. And one of the other laborers was this kid who was 250 pounds. He was six, five. And then here's me five, eight, one, like 120. And he would just be like, man up, man, like pick this up. And I was like, I can't, it's heavy. He's like, stop being a bitch, like pick it up. And so of doing that for three months, plus eating, I gained 30 pounds and it was all in my arms. So when I came cool. back, yeah, your arms like, are massive. Dude, like you're jacked. I'm like, I am. He's like, man, you should start working out with me. And literally that's how it started. Like I'd go to the gym with him and then shout out Will Sung, by the way, he's one of my best friends. He literally guided me my whole training career pretty much. And he was, he was like, I think you should try this. So I would try it. And so I would go with him and he would tell me what to do. And then he started being like, man, I can't go. My girlfriend said, I can't go today. So then I'm like, well, I'm not going to go. He's like, man, just go. So I'd go there. I'd, I'd have a piece of loose leaf writing down what we did. And then I'd have to call him on the payphone and be like, yo, what did we do again for the shoulder press? He's like, you sit on the bench and then take the bar, blah, blah, blah. And like, that's kind of how it started. And I started like my body responded very quickly. And within the first three months, people were like, yeah, Steve's on steroids, <laughs> you know? And so my buddy Will was like, no, like he actually just works really hard. And that was the first thing I had in my life that I actually felt proud about. 
was like this physique that I could attain. Cause I was like, whoa, if I really wanted something, I can do it. But it was, my mind was only that it was, I could do that only in the gym. And my friend, Kevin uh, Matungi was like, dude, man, you have everything. You have like the sickest body. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. I'm like, we go to the bar. I can't even pick up girls. I'm too scared. So this body doesn't, it means nothing. And he's like, yeah, but that's if you allow it to, like you can, like you can pick up these chicks, you know, you're just too picky. And I'm like, well, no, I have nothing else in my life. I don't have a car. My, we live in an apartment. Like my, my family doesn't have money. He's like, he's like, stop complaining, man. He's like, you can take that same discipline and you can apply it to the rest of your life. And I'm like, you can. And I didn't understand that you could do that. And it only took me 10 years later for me to realize that I could. <laughs> and so literally like my discipline in training has taught me that I can apply that same discipline to anything I want in my life. And people always say, how do you do it? It's like, I don't, I just do it. Like I take action. It's like, if I want something, I just do it. So I meditate every day. I journal every day. I read every day. I train every day. And like, I think through these tools that I've gained through experiences that I wish I, at the time I hated, but I learned customer service through the bank. I learned how to market and how to graphic design through, you know, the, the like through schooling and, um, and just through my father, like he moved to Canada when he was 27 by himself. And he ended up being the first of all of his brothers and siblings to move to Canada. And then through that, they all moved here for a better life. And my father worked three jobs. He actually, um, I just learned this by the way, my bro my brother and I went to LA, um, in November for my birthday and we hung out with my aunt and my aunt actually told me that my father and my mom were arranged. And the only reason that my, they got married was because my mom was going to get deported to the Philippines. And so she had moved to LA to stay with family and, you know, be there. And then she wanted to stay. And, but because she didn't have a green card, they were going to deport her. And so then my aunt called my dad and was says, Hey, Hey, like we potentially have someone that you could marry. And my dad's like, sure. So he flew to LA and they met. And then within a few weeks they got pregnant with me. Wow. And so their marriage kind of wasn't your traditional marriage. And you know, like they hadn't really spent any time with each other and they ended up you know, like splitting up. And when I was 14, um, well, we used to drive to LA every summer and we would stay there for the full three months of school or summer, like during summer. And one of the last summers that we went there together, we packed up the caravan and we were gonna leave. And my mom used to cut her hair and she was cutting my hair in the garage and she was crying. And I looked at her and I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing. I'm just happy. And so she finished cutting my hair and, and we're like, hey, let's go. And I remember walking to the van on the driveway and my dad's like, Steve, just sit in the front with me. And so I got in the front and then my brother and sister got in the back. And then I looked in the driveway in the garage and my mom was standing there. And I was like, mom, let's go. And she's like, I'm just going to stay. And my dad started backing up and he looked at me and like his, his face is like imprinted in my mind. Like he was scared and like he was tearing up and 
I didn't understand. And my mom was waving and she was crying. And for the full three days that we drove back, like I cried into my pillow the whole time. And they didn't want to tell us what was happening. So they just said, you know, like financially, it's better that mom stays here and I'll just watch you. She's going to come visit. She'll talk to you all the time. Like, it's fine. Everything's okay. And so for, you know, six years, I thought that my mom was coming back, but really she wasn't. And so she had lived there for over a decade. And I think that's kind of where a lot of my anger stemmed from, not me blaming them because they did the best that they could only like in what they thought they needed to do for us. And, but at the time I didn't understand. So I just had so much resentment towards both of them. And even though my father was the only one here taking care of us, I hated him. I fucking hated him so much. And he was, he's very quiet. So I never talked to him. And so even though my mom was thousands of miles away, she would always check in with me and whatnot. So I was even closer with her and, but I still hated both of them, you know? And I think that's why when my father passed away, I had, it was so hard for me to forgive myself because I didn't know any better. And it's funny now that, you know, he's gone. Now I learned that I, my father taught me so many lessons without saying it like indirectly, you know, just by action, just by leading, just by working three jobs, by not complaining, by always being there for us. You know, and that's the way that he thought he was supposed to provide was financially, like maybe not emotionally because like, you know, generations before his father passed away and, but that's how he supported his family. They have eight siblings and he worked, you know, like 10, 12 hour days. He was a lawyer. And that's literally what my father knew was how to provide for us. And so that's going back to like the discipline. I think that's where I learned it was through him just by watching him do it. And I'm like, well, if he can do that, I can do that. And I think that's like, now I realize like my dad taught me my biggest weapon is discipline. Because if you truly want something, you can do it. It takes work, but you can do it. You have to believe and you have to plan and then take action every day. And like, that's the thing is I try to tell people, it's like, well, how do you do that? Like, how are you so, so consistent? It's like, you just do it. Like there's no, it's a non-negotiable. I didn't even write working out in my planner because I do it no matter what. Non-negotiable. I think that's a very important term you just said right there. Um, I think a lot of people lack the discipline in order to do it, or they like your your younger self. They have that mentality is I. It's the I can't do it right. Yeah. Instead of just doing it, regardless of whether or not you can do it, just try. Right. I think one thing in that is the the forgiveness of the self is really important. Like you can yeah. go through those those things in life where you wish you might have acted different or been different. Um, I even think it's something, it's a coming of age thing too, where as a teenager, I, I think you typically go through this space of you want to be more independent. So there's sort of that going on. And if there is that separation or that sort of animosity or anything built up, you sort of like reserve yourself even more, like you don't bring yourself to the table. But then it is nice that even even though your father is not here, that you can get to that place where you appreciate him and all the lessons that you learn. Because I think that happens in life where we take our parents for granted. Oh, There's yeah. a period of time where we yeah. go, I want to be me. I want to 
bring my own light or my own ideas to the world and I have my own opinions on things. And so, Mm -hmm. and you start to clash. And then you get to a point where you realize, oh, I am so much of the qualities and I've learned so much from my parents and I appreciate so much that they've done. And so you, you start to, you start to value them and you start to realize, I think there's that realization for everyone that the time you have together isn't infinite. So you have to enjoy the time that you have with them. And, and you have to make peace with those memories too. Like you have to, you have to know that you loved each other the best that you can with the time that you have. Um, So I think that that's really important. And so I've sort of gotten to this period of time with my own father where it's like, I, I appreciate him very much the similar mindset, like provider, um, the emotional support is maybe like, you know, you always wish, like, I think it's nice when you have a balance of things. I know I go to my mom for the social oh, yes, and sure. emotional issues. I know I go to my dad for the business and life things. Like, it's sort of nice to have that. Um, but I definitely realize how much I learned from my father. And so on the, the self-discipline and work ethic aspect of things, I think it's so funny. I had this experience this week of, I like to think I'm a little bit insane in the gym. Like I literally, (laughs) my workouts that I do for Spartan races are intense and I'm really trying to push how fast I can run right now. So I'm on a treadmill, you know, on level 10, trying to keep going as long as I can and, you know, get my, get my speed up. And it's so funny to just have those. I mean, I think I learned that um, you can learn that type of work ethic anywhere, I think was one of the things I wanted to share. So like, there's the person who's an awesome student that can spend hours in the books. And then sometimes they got to learn a little bit the, the self-discipline in terms of working out or at least mm-hmm. living healthy. And so there's, there's usually, it's easy to get stuck in the lane that you're comfortable with. And so if you're, if you're good with the books, sometimes it's hard to go out for a run or lift weights or find something active that you can do. And sometimes you're so cerebral that it's hard to connect with people because you're like, I'm a bookworm. I'm not a socialite, you know, and it's and so you have these limiting beliefs yes. that keep you from that. So for me, my my contextualization is in terms of football, it taught me work ethic and wanting to be better. So I switch high schools. There are always more, I would say, naturally gifted athletes, always bigger, taller, stronger. <laughs> and so it was learning the training aspect and it was one thing our coach said that champions are built in the off season and so and that resonated so the the off season between grade 11 and 12 i trained with a personal trainer five six times a a week and put in multiple hour sessions completely changed my body type i mean i was always kind of pudgy or husky but became muscular had a six pack and Yes, there's sort of a negative side that comes along with you get obsessed with the aesthetics yeah. part of it. But, you know, I was I came back that grade 12 year and I never left the field. I played offense, defense, special teams and like and we won a championship that year. So it's like that. Boom. But it, it came true. And I think that that's the big thing is when you're willing to invest yourself into that, those uh, like the seemingly insurmountable, you can you can overcome and you can push through and you can succeed. And so that's huge. And so it's funny because now that work ethic is just normal. <laughs> it's yeah, not normal yeah, for me, but you. it's it's almost funny to see that from other people's eyes. Like I I had a running session, I think on Wednesday, Wednesday or no, Friday. And I went, oh, I didn't have a lot of energy going into it. And I, you know, I, I had, a, it ended up being good and I did, 
you know, I was able to keep up with the run that I wanted to. He's like, you didn't have a lot of energy. This is just this gentleman that I was talking to. He's like, man, you looked like you were killing it. <laughs> it's like you were in that thing. You were like singing along and going crazy. I'm like, I guess you're right. Like when you talk, when you see yourself from somebody else's point of view, things might be different. So even if you do have less than perfect energy, it's like going to do the thing, put your effort that you can and get what you can from it. So that's what came up when you were telling those stories and what I wanted to share too. Yeah, when you're in it, it seems like you're drowning and like the surface is so far away and you're just giving her to try to get to the surface. But like, and it doesn't seem like you're making your way, but you are. And like for myself, it's like, I'm so, I'm so hard on myself and I still am. And being like, perf like a perfectionist, like based on what you said before, like when I made the videos, it was like, okay, I have to make this perfect video with a perfect exercise. I used to match the song with the rep and it would take you still like spend hours, like picking the song, trying to get the thumbnail perfect. And I'd post it and I'm like, Oh, this sucks. And I delete it. And my girlfriend's like, Hey, you got to relax. Like nobody cares that much. Like what you're doing, is it really making that much of a difference? And it like, I started getting my girlfriend in the videos and then I started getting like better at editing kind of, I'm not good, but I started getting used to it. And so then it was like, it became like this couples thing. And then like, people are like, wow, like I really like what you guys are doing. And people are like, man, like you're getting so much engagement and I didn't even know what I was doing. And so then I started getting into my head because I was like, wow, I have a hundred followers, but my views are like 600. Like I'm the shit, you know, like it started getting into my head and I started getting so obsessed with, the followers with the, the views numbers, yeah. and in the book tribes, the one thing that helped me get over myself was, or getting the fear of posting was think of one person that you're posting to and give that person so much value. And so that helped me get over the fear of posting. Cause I would post and then be like, Oh, Will's going to think this about me or you know, people are going to make fun of me and then I would, it would prevent me from moving forward. And so that helped me like, okay, like, no, I'm only, I have this one person in mind. His name was Max. I created this like persona that I was posting for and it just kind of helped me start. And then as I started getting too much into the followers and the likes, um, I called my friend and I was freaking out because I ended up getting like crazy sick one day. And so I was like, I'm going to post every day for a year. And I got deathly sick. I got like food poisoning or something. So I was out of commission for like 48 hours. And then as soon as I got better, I posted. And then my views were like a third of what they were. And I freaked out. I called him. I called Amin, the one that gave me the, this productivity planner. And he's like, dude, what happened, man? Like, you're supposed to be posting for one person. Like, why do you care if you have less views? And I was like, you're right. And I had to take a step back and be like, why am I doing this? Like, what am I, who am I posting for? And then shortly after that's when everything happened with my father. And I ended up taking a break from everything. I deleted social media. I was sick of looking at everyone else doing work that I could, that I wasn't doing cause I was in the hospital. And then I had to kind of reframe my mind and being like, okay, like, why am I doing this? Is it about being perfect and showing myself shirtless and having these perfect workouts or is it about helping people? 
And as soon as I ended up going back on social media, I was like, I'm going to approach this differently. And I'm going to share my, me because I'm going through it. Maybe if, I, if I'm going through it, I wish I had someone helping me saying, hey, like, if you feel this way, if you feel depressed, if you feel angry, maybe you can try this and I'll help you feel better. So I was like, maybe if I do that for someone, I could help that person. I could help Max help, you know, change his life. And so I posted something about my father and I was super raw and authentic. I didn't care anymore about what people think. And then it was like, all of a sudden people were like, so like, I got so many messages being like, wow, like you helped me with this or with that. And that's kind of when everything changed. And like, it really went into me going internally and like, really trying to figure out like why I felt this way or why I was angry and trying to get back to the source of where it all started so that I could become aware so I could understand and so I could let it go. And going back to that story about my father drive, like when my mom left, like that imprint of my father's face, like I've had dreams about that. And I was listening to a, a podcast with Tony Robbins and this, he was interviewing this guy and he said, uh, whose love did you crave more, your your mother's or your father's? And he said, if you crave one of your parents' love more, you have to be someone for them. And that's kind of how it all starts. Like people get depressed and have to see a psychiatrist or therapist based on something that happened years ago that they don't even know that that's what it is. And he says, sometimes in your life, a traumatic event happens but if you can find a moment before that, it will help you kind of release that bad memory. And so that my, my memory that really affected me was when my father was backing up in the driveway and I saw my mom. Like that was traumatic. Like when I talked to my brother and my sister about it, they don't even remember it. And we're only two years apart. Like I'm 34, my sister's 32, my brother's 29 or 30. And when I thought about it, I, I remember like I sat in my journal for a week being like, like what's a, what's a happy moment that happened before that? And I thought about it, I thought about it, and it was my mom crying. Because remember I told you like when she was cutting my hair, she was crying? It was because it was so hard for her. It wasn't her fault that she wanted to stay. It was because she thought that that's what she had to do. Like it was better for her and my father to be apart. And it's not that she didn't love us. It's just literally what she thought she had to do. And so I thought about it and she's like, and I was like, she's human just like me. It was so hard for her to let her kids leave that she was crying. And when I was able to figure that out, I was like, okay, I understand now. And now it's easier for me to let go and be like, I get it. And I don't remember why I got to this point, but it's... It's helped me. Like I, I'm still coming across a lot of realizations for myself to try to heal myself. And going back to what you said about a fraud, like I feel sometimes that I am a fraud because like people think I'm this person, like on Instagram, it's such a misleading platform Yeah. because sometimes people don't know, like I'm in it with them. I'm struggling just as much as everyone else is. Well, we talked about before Instagram's it's essentially turned into a highlight reel of people's yeah. lives, right? Yeah. So we see the best, not the worst most of the time. And that's what I've tried to, to do is try to be authentic as possible to show people like everyone's going through really shitty things. And it's all about how you 
respond to it. And I think that's kind of where I feel like my purpose is, is like, that's why I've gone through all these really crappy things is for me to learn how to overcome it so that I can teach people or share people. Maybe this is how you can help you, like how you can help yourself. It's, it's brave to be that open and honest about your story. And I think that that's something that it's, it does take a certain type of person. Like a lot of people are very closed off to the world and are afraid to share those things. And I think that that's an important aspect of life. And I, and yet I do think online's an interesting place because it's like, there is a, a, an element of like, we're together in this and you can help each other. And then there's also attention seeking. And it's tough. It's I think yeah. in your story, you you talked about posting things online and worrying about how many people are liking this or watching mm -hmm. this. And there's very much, I mean, everybody's looking to get that sponsor or get people to hire them for modeling or for, you know, because they're, um, they're a bodybuilder or their business or whatever. So they're looking for more likes. They're looking for more engagement. They're looking for all those views. And so it's, it's, it's hard to be authentic in that and stay true to yourself. And I know I've even struggled the same where it's like, I want to post at least six times a week because it looks good on mm -hmm. your screen and all these things. And yeah. And I've even had it lately where it's like, Oh, people don't aren't responding to this story or this picture. I'm going to take it down. And it's like, and yet there's part of me that's like, I almost wish I didn't have to do social media. I, yeah. I wish I, I equal parts, see it as a necessary tool in this day and age and also just wish I didn't have to use it. I feel you. So it's, but I think that is an important piece though. If you're being authentic and if you're genuinely there to help people, um, yeah, unfortunately it is important if you're building a brand to have that type of recognition and to have mm -hmm. that engagement. But it's sort of, I, I guess it's, what can you do to still keep your soul you know, like mm -hmm. to still feel that you're a positive person, that you're not just selling out and just creating content to be buzzworthy. Because mm -hmm. um, you see that with news articles and things now, too, where it's just the attention grabbing headlines are what all these newspapers are doing and all these online sure. papers are doing. And our world's just becoming so, I would say, confused, but also just it's inauthentic, right? Yeah. It's we don't. We're, we're, we're not doing things for the sake of and to help each other. It's just for views. And so I think that yeah. that's yeah. like, that's I, a scary place that we're entering into. I feel like it's a, it's, it's a hard balance though, because I feel at some point you need to have that sort of headline for yourself because it's doing something for you. Yeah. Right. But, but as long as it's not at the expense of, of you wanting to help others as yeah. well, right? Like where do you find that balance between the two? And I, I struggle with that all the time. Like, like what, at what point am I helping myself too much or at what point am I just giving too much that I'm not focusing on myself enough? Yeah. I feel like for myself, it's been, um, like I look at Instagram as like, I mean, in, in terms of how the world's going, like when I was a kid, we used to play and run around. Now kids have iPads. I don't, yeah, I don't, tablets. I don't even have an iPad. And you know, like there was that connection. So I think like it's great as a tool, but it can also use you. So if, if it's using you, that's different than if you're using it as a tool to get out there. And the way that I look at social media is that I obviously get caught up sometimes, you know, we're human, but I really try to use it as a vessel for me to share my story. Cause 
my mission statement is to live and share my story to help empower others to be better for themselves mentally and physically. Part of that is because that's what I'm trying to do for myself. And so literally if I can use Instagram or whatever tool it is to help people as my voice, I look at it like that. And I don't say anything. I don't think of it like I'm saying it to grab attention. Like I literally say it to help that one person. And if, 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 if Instagram closed today and there was no record of anything that I've done, like if I had just helped one person, like I would feel fulfilled. And like, that's literally what drives me to do this every day. It's not to post, to look cool and to say whatever. It's to share my story, to help someone mm -hmm. like one person. And, and I truly feel that that is my purpose in life. And going back to like chance meetings and serendipitous events, like there's been so many episodes, like in the last, like, you know, a couple of years, especially that have happened where it was like, whoa, I was supposed to meet that person. And you know, like when you're open and you're trying to do better for yourself and for others, the universe or whatever you believe in above you literally conspires to help you. Like there's like doors and opportunities and things all around you. It's whether or not you're open to see them and to take action on them. And I got this from, I think it was my massage therapist actually. He was like, do you know what a soulmate is? I was like, mm, kind of like someone that you're in love with. He's like, no, a soulmate is not someone that you're in love with, or it's not just someone that you're in love with or having sex with, or, you know, it's someone that you meet in your life, whether for one minute, one hour, or for 10 years that help you change the course of your life. And it's people that you meet randomly that can say something to you that sparks something or resonate with you that you're like, holy shit, I was supposed to hear that. And I have chills right now saying this because like I've gotten that so many times with people just connecting with people. And my thing recently was like, I just love connecting with people and being open because again, we're human. Like people have a facade of being angry and whatnot, but if you actually are genuine and you look at them in the eye and you say, how are you doing? Like people just let their guard down. And I make it a point to talk to everyone I encounter and just to say, hey, how's your day going? And a lot of times people go, like you can tell that they're like, what do you, like they get very standoffish at first and mm -hmm. they go, how's it going? And like, they can tell that I'm sincere and they go, oh, it's good. And then all of a sudden, like have a great conversation where all of a sudden I say something to them and they're like, holy shit. Like I was not expecting that today. I don't even know who you are and you opened up to me, but like you helped me. And like, literally like I'm approaching every encounter in that way. And I'm like, okay, if I can, if I have this overarching mission and if I do that as much as I can, then maybe I can help more than just one person. And that's literally like where I feel like I've, I'm super proud of myself because I, maybe I am doing that and I feel pretty fulfilled. I, I know I get caught up in saying like, like, again, like, why am I doing this? And am I doing the right thing? And sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, but it feels right. And again, like the universe and whatever you believe in truly is there to help you if you're open to it. I like the, the sense that even in my days, I find that if I'm sitting at a computer and I'm working way too long, I crave that human interaction. And so it's when you're willing to step outside, I mean, if it is a stranger on the street or if it is 
a coworker. It's you can bring each other's energy up. For sure. And I think that that's an important thing. And it's it's interesting when you start to realize those things where it's like all of a sudden a positive interaction or just a fun conversation or even casual conversation can just change your mindset completely and just change your day, change your mm-hmm. week, whatever it is. And so it's it's almost we're always that one conversation, one step away. I even find that workouts do that sometimes too, where it's you go in with a certain mindset and you leave with something. Either you come out, you go in and you're a little bit negative, you come out even keel, or sometimes you have a great workout and all of a sudden you're kind of on a buzz of just yeah. being satisfied and happy. So it's, but I think it is important. It is something for me too, where the energy that you bring to a conversation, I I try and make sure that my own cup is filled before I, cause I wouldn't want to drag yeah. somebody down through the mud. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've been having a little bit of difficulty lately because it's, I'm, I feel out of balance and that's what I, I mean, I talked to you about this change in terms of work hours and wanting to put more towards passions and creating things and my art in, in a certain sense. So it's, I, I'm so glad I felt liberated when I took that step this week because I went, I'm, I'm going to be living more towards what I believe. Yeah. And so it's hard because you go through those times in life where it's, you know, you can be riding a high and be super happy and your cup's filled and you can share openly with everybody. But then you go through those lulls or those, <clears throat> those valleys. And sometimes you do have to take a little step back and just heal, whether that's meditation, whether that's mm-hmm. working out, whether that's reading a book, whether that's, there's all sorts of different yeah. ways to find that and to regain that sense of balance. But I think it is important to, to do that. I don't, I, I feel that, um, one of my issues with motivational speakers or sometimes a personal development literature is like it's the unattainable goal where it's you expect that you can be happy all the time or you're yeah. automatically going to be successful if you do A, B, C, D, E. And the fact is it's, it's going out and being willing to fail and you'll have to fail more times than you'll succeed and you'll have to put yourself in discomfort. Think of every workout you've ever done. It's like it's equal parts work. And then like, sometimes it gets to the point where it's fun, but like, you know, it's that struggle. And then you'll maybe hit a PR that's, I mean, people get excited about when they hit a new plateau, like plateau is maybe the wrong word, but you know, a new personal record where it's the best they've ever done at something. And, and that keeps you motivated and that Mm -hmm. gets you excited. But sometimes it's hard to see. Um, One of the things I got to this week too was uh, and it's a very meditative thing. It is being in the moment and just not focusing too far on the goal and the and that it becomes work. It's sort of just enjoying it and finding the fun and enjoyment in each thing that you're doing. Like maybe you are doing a workout and a run and like, are you listening to music? Are you singing along? Are you sort of dancing on the treadmill? That's what I do. People probably look at me like I'm crazy, but we sometimes worry about what other people think rather than just doing and yeah. mm-hmm. and trying to find the enjoyment in the moment. So I agree. I think it's like, I mean, you probably heard this in quotes like all the time. It's, it's about like the journey and the process. It's like happiness is a choice and it can happen right now. Cause if you're constantly being like, Oh, when I quit my job, I'm going to be happy. And then you do it. And then you're like, why am I so even more unhappy? It's cause it's, it's, that's not what you're trying to attain. You're, you, you're, you have to enjoy 
the, the struggles. You have to enjoy the ups and the downs because that's what's making you that person that you envision in your mind. Yeah. And like going through really crappy things in your life, it's all lessons and it's all tools that you're adding to your tool belt. And then you get to a point and hopefully you have that self-realization for yourself. It's like you've armed yourself with all these tools at your disposal that you can use to attain whatever it is you want in your entire life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I wouldn't change anything. Like even if, if I could bring my father back, obviously I would want him back, but like, I don't think I would take him back because I know that his purpose in, on this earth, like he served it. And now it's his, the next stage in his life. And like all the crappy things that I've gone through, I wouldn't change anything. I'm happy that, you know, I was depressed and was all these things because it helped me shape me into who I am today. Mm -hmm. And I feel like going through struggles, you have to, because it makes you stronger. Um, I like what you said about happiness. I, I don't, I don't think you can be happy all the time. Like I, I think if you were happy all the time, how would you recognize that you were happy? Right. What would you have it to compare it to? It's those ups and downs. You need to have that. Like, think about like when you're the happiest in your life, like what happened before that? Right. And when I think of, uh, of those moments, it's always the moments after I did something like crazy, grueling, hard experience, like one of the hardest experiences of my life. And I came out on the other side and be like, well, that was really hard. It took all the energy I had. And in the moment I wasn't happy doing it, but afterwards I was really happy. I was happy because mm -hmm. of it, not in spite of it. Fulfilled. Yeah. It's always the most achieving when you, whether it's something in life or even a workout, it's like you come out on the other end, it's like, yes, I did it. You know, and it's like, uh, yeah, I totally agree. It's uh, it's hard to, I, I try to be positive all the time, but obviously you can't. But I think it's just like being aware and then just being okay with, with things not being perfect or, you know, I was angry and it's okay. Yeah. You know, just being okay and going back to self-care, you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. And you can't always take from the account and then not deposit. Like you have to do things to maintain sanity, to maintain mental fitness, to maintain physical fitness. You can't just, you know, step on the gas, run red line forever because it's going to shut down, whether mm -hmm. it's a car, whether it's your body. You got to put those things back. You got to deposit back into the account. You got to sleep. You have to eat well. You have to hydrate, you know, exercise, train the body, but then also do mobility so that you can maintain the training. You have to do things where you can create stillness in your mind because we're bombarded with so much advertisement constantly. So if you can create a little bit of space, a little bit of gap where it's just you with yourself, you can you can attain so much more because it's, you're not approaching your day in a reactive state. You're approaching each day with like, okay, like I'm ready to take on the good and the bad. I think, I think sometimes we also get, get a little too trapped in a very specific, our own perspective. And you, you, you talked on this a little bit earlier on reading a book and, and literally one line in that book, changing the way you thought. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's kind of the beauty of, books and, and podcasts is that and that's the reason why I listen to podcasts and sometimes like people put things in such a a different way or a poetic way and I'm like whoa I never thought of it that way before and it, and it just changes the whole way I thought about that whole process and it's just kind of just a fresh take 
on on life or a specific part of life and yeah. and I can it's almost like a renewed renewed sense in that thing. Have you ever have you ever gone on vacation and then you know you go on vacation you're super happy and then as soon as you're about to come back you become depressed? You ever had that feeling? Yeah. So I'm I finished a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits and he explained what that was. Um and tip uh, Eckhart Tolle also touched on this. Um but there's environmental cues that are in our, you know, house or room. You have relationships with things on your desk, for example, good or bad. So if you're constantly in an environment that's not facilitating growth, you're going to be stuck in that. And that's why when you go on vacation, there's no environmental cues that are holding you down. So that's why people feel happy and like, oh, I can, you know, I can accomplish anything in my life. And then as soon as you get home, you're like, oh, fuck, you know, like, it's so it's like kind of removing yourself from the environment sometimes is is good. Mm-hmm. And Eckhart Tolle also said like, have you ever, you know, gone somewhere like on vacation and then all of a sudden felt like you had to leave? Like I used to always feel like I was never where I was, meaning like I always felt like I had to go somewhere or I was never home because I was never present. It's like you're waiting for this thing, you get there and then you're you're already waiting for the next thing. But if you stop and appreciate like where you are right now, it is such a beautiful thing. Like the world, like this earth is beautiful. Like if you go and just like sit on the beach and like look at the ocean, like it's so vast. And it's like, I'm complaining about me not having a new iPhone. And there's like, this is what the world has to offer. It's like, it's so minuscule that it makes you realize that your problems are so stupid. Yeah, Like everything that we think about in this world, like in terms of problems, it's never that bad. You know, I mean, most of the time, like no one's going to die from your problem or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, it's like not that bad. Mm -hmm. Like life's pretty damn good. And obviously like you have to be realistic with yourself with certain things, but life's pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, talked about it on the podcast before but it, over the years I've developed and I, I know a lot of people don't agree with me in the way I uh, way um, on my views of the world but I de- developed kind of a, a nihilistic nihilistically optimistic view of the world and it started back when I punched that hole in the wall and I started running yeah. and one of the th- changes in perspectives I had was my entire life I noticed and it wasn't until that moment that I noticed I always looked down at the ground when I walked I always mm-hmm. noticed like the cracks in the concrete where I was walking, like whether it was grass, concrete, whatever. And it wasn't until that day in the rain when I like decided to actually look up. And I was like, wow, I, was, I spent my whole life looking down. And that's when I noticed that Winnipeg actually has some of the most beautiful skies I've ever seen out of Prairie skies, baby. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And that is one of the biggest reminders whenever I, I get to this point of, of like so I'm so anxious and there's so much anxiety and everything's weighing down on me I just like I will just I literally will go outside and look up whether it's night or yeah. day and just remind myself that like although these are problems I have to deal with in the grand scheme of things it's yeah nothing totally like there's a Tim Ferriss interviewed this guy and they, it's a thing called stargazing so if you're super stressed out and angry at the world and whatever go outside and look at the stars because you, you realize how vast the world is and how minuscule your problem actually is. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, on that same note, so 
I was writing yesterday at the coffee shop, so I did the notes for this podcast and um, had a coffee and then read and wrote. And funny enough that what I wrote about was life is good. And it's it's that same thing. I mean, the Winnipeg is good t-shirts and campaign and thing, but I'm whenever I get my mind state to life is good. And it's like, you don't have to be like, it's not perfect, it's not mm-hmm. great, it's not, but even just thinking life is good. And then you take that second, I mean, we, we're constantly barraged I mean, our work days and there's so many different things and stressors and everybody's going through something. And sometimes it is like you feel like you've put your head down and you've just had to work for months on end. And all of a sudden it is when you go, okay, like let's spend some time. I'm realizing I should probably spend some more time in nature and be outside Mm, a little bit more and and be a little bit more present, whether that is meditation or something. Um, Because... I think especially lately, I find it's tough to go outside in Winnipeg in the winter time. So it's like you lack that. Especially and if, on days like today. <laughs> well, if you're staring at a screen too long, it's just mm-hmm. all these things. But it's when you when you just refocus and, and revamp yourself and become present and you're not worrying about the future or the past. It's like that's where life, that's that sweet spot that's in life. That's a sweet spot. <laughs> it is. You know, and it is. I mean, there's an importance to planning your future. There's an importance to making a peace with your past. But it's like... If you spend too much time in those places is present. when you lose sight on what's happening all around you, yeah. what's right in front of you. And so it is like, you know, smell the flower, like <laughs> smell the roses or like, you know, look up at the stars, whatever it is to make yourself more present. But, yeah. you know, find those little things that you can enjoy and be grateful through throughout the day, for throughout the day. I think that's an important technique, too. For sure. Like, you know, like just looking at all these quotes, like I remember reading all these quotes, like when I was younger and I'm like, this is stupid. Like, you know, like they're so corny. And then, yeah, like, I guess coming of age and whatnot, like you start to realize, okay, like I, I get it. Like I understand, like smell the roses. Like I never understood what that meant. Yeah. It's crazy. You can go back and reread yeah. that and find a whole different meaning in it. Yeah, for sure. And so it's, 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 it's interesting because, uh, well, you, you were still at good life when I started doing the quotes, the quotes things, but you know, how remember they were always torn down, right? Someone's yeah. always tearing them down. And, it, and it's always the younger people because they, they don't appreciate what they really mean. They just see that cliche quote, right? And like, oh, this is stupid, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like it's, it's in years they'll come back and realize like, whoa, like maybe there's something in that, right? Yeah, they don't, yeah, they just, maybe they just don't understand, yeah. you know? Well, that's oh. okay, like I've been there. Cliche quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, things are cliche I've, for I've, a reason, right? The, the one thing is I feel that it is overdone sometimes. Like every, you you go on Instagram and it's like there's always a motivational quote for like sure. everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like in in times it can be helpful. The right the right, the right quote. Yeah, yeah I, I mean it has to have that personal resonance with you, I think. You have to find your own meaning in that quote and it, it can be different for everyone. Yeah. The te- the, uh, my friend told me this. The teacher comes when you're ready. So, you know, you can... Like one of us could say something on Instagram or whatever, wherever, and then the right person at the right time will read it and be like, whoa, yeah, like I, I needed that. There are, I'm sure you guys have probably gotten messages, you know, from people be like, I needed this today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there are quotes myself that I go back on that I've read years ago and I'll go back and I'll just like think of that quote over and over again. I'm like what it means. It means something different sometimes. And it... You know what? People look at me weird when I when I'm, I listen to things like I'm motivational videos on YouTube when I'm working out. I literally listen to the same videos over and over and over again that. because every line I like I will pick apart and decipher what it means and yeah. I'll find new meaning in it. 
I can listen. I've literally listened this, the first 10 minutes of some of this motivational video on YouTube. I've listened to the first 10 minutes since the day I started running. And I will still listen to it today, and I will still find new meaning in that first 10 minutes. So the that's that's amazing, man. Congrats on that. Like, So uh, I used to – the people would tease me because they're like, oh, show Steve like a song he loves. Oh, he's going to play that thing for like years on repeat. And again, Tim Ferriss said that people who – uh, are very motivated or uh, like a form of meditation is you listen to the same song on repeat because you your mind gets into like a zone a zone yeah and it's a, it's an amazing thing like I used, I, I used to be like oh that's why I did that but like it is it, it really helps you focus and Tony Robbins uh, was again interviewed by Tim Ferriss and asked him, what's one book that you gifted the most? And Tony Robbins said, um, James Allen, as a man thinketh. And he's like, uh, I read that book every day. Like there's a morning and evening read for 30 days. And he's like, I've reread that thing over and over and over for the past few years. So I went on Amazon, I ordered that thing right away. It's this tiny book, extremely very dense. And I read it, I didn't understand it. But I was like, okay, well, if Tony Robbins is reading it, I'm just going to read it. So I kept reading it. And I got to the morning and evening reads. And so I would read it morning and evening. And I literally didn't know what it meant. But I've, and I've continued to do it. And it's been over a year and a half. And I've, and I've, I read it every morning and every evening. And every time I read it, there's, it, it means something new to me. Because I understand it a little bit more or something resonates with me. So, like, I feel like things like that that you do for yourself is huge. Like, it just puts you in that state to, you know, be clear yeah. to... I know at first, it, it actually, it bothered me that people found it funny or pe- mm-hmm. that it bothered other people. And to the point where I wouldn't watch yeah. the videos when I was on the bike or anything. I would just, like, listen to music and pretend, like, because I didn't want people to know that I was doing that. And then it eventually became like, well, this is my form of focus, my form of meditation. It doesn't matter exactly. what anyone else thinks. And I eventually got to, to, I learned to put myself in my own bubble and not worry about what everyone yeah. else is worrying about because it doesn't matter. They don't, they like in the end, they don't determine your happiness. You do. Right. So why would you let them, you know, control that? And yeah. I always think of it like, I kind of laugh because it's like, if you're so worried about what I'm doing, who's worried about what you're doing? Yeah. Like, are you like, shouldn't you worry about yourself and try to figure that out? Like use usually is that reflection, right? It's because they're insecure about something. Maybe they wish they could watch that video or whatever. But I think in terms of that, it's, it's a lot of these almost sound poetic, right? It's you find the meaning in the things that give you mm-hmm. meaning. And so I'm very much, I build playlists and then certain songs come on and it'll typically I almost have rolling playlists, right? Where it's, Sometimes there's winter angry workout playlists and then there's summer (laughs) fun running playlists. There's, you know, there's a playlist for everything, but that one song comes on and it just goes, it, it fits your mood. It gets you into that mindset. It helps you battle through. So yeah, well, uh, I I try not to do repeat. Yeah. I like to trust DJ random to do like a good next song. And especially if you're doing a playlist, it's like, well, you've chosen those songs for a reason. I'm going through this lull right now because I'm like, I want some new music. I need yeah. something a little different. But it's those certain songs hit you and then you just go. Yeah. And it's those can be pretty magical. But the same thing. It could be a workout video. It could be a podcast. I, I do enjoy, uh, they do CT Fletcher, so workout videos. They do 
his motivational videos, the audio over music in the background. Yeah. Like, and so he yeah. just like, he's yelling at you in your ear and he's I like, come it. on, motherfucker, and yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just. Go cry some more tears. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, sometimes you need that. You need that kick in the ass to yeah. just lift heavier, do a little bit more. So it's, you find what works for you, that method sure. that works for you. And it, and it is you you have to try not to judge others when you do for sure. it too. I think that's huge. Don't ju- stop judging others. And I, I I get caught up in it all the time. And I got to remember to to lay back. And I feel the most fulfilled when I talk to someone with the the mindset. And I've only learned this in the last year. Go into a conversation knowing that the other person knows something you don't. So that they're like offering, that. they're offering, that. so that. everyone yeah. can offer you something, right? Yeah. Whether it's a piece of new knowledge, emotion, whatever it is, like just go into it with that and, and suddenly you open up to them and people will want to open up to you. Yeah, for sure. Like also going into it being like, I can share something that could help them. Yeah. Know? Cause as soon as you judge them, you've put them, you've put them in this cage and you, you're going to keep them there. Right. Yeah. So you've closed yourself off from them. For sure. It's. Uh, I I listened to a podcast, Lewis Howes and Gabriel Bernstein, and it was called Judgment Detox. And so she read a, she wrote a book about it about like not judging people and not yeah like not putting them in this box. And it's like and Lewis Howes goes well, okay, well what if you think it? Like what if you see someone and they're wearing something weird and you're in your mind you're like well what the fuck are they wearing? It's like no, you stop, stop. it. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I called my girlfriend. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so for 30 days, I didn't complain. And I, and I had like a complaint bracelet, so I'd keep switching it so I knew if I did. And no complaining and no judging. And like, I was so much happier. Mm-hmm. Right? The mind is so quick to judge something that is different from what you're used to. Yeah, it's a reflection on yourself. For sure. So if you're un- insecure about something, it's like a reflection that you put on them that you're like, oh, they look weird or whatever. But if you can really get away from that like, and look beyond the facade of whatever they're wearing or whatever it is, it's like in the end, we're all humans just trying to live. Yeah. So, Riley taught me that uh, during the podcast. Yeah, the stop. It's the stop thing, right? Is whenever you have a negative thought comes into your head or judgment, anything like that. Like, and it goes back to you talking about like thoughts getting away yeah. from you and, and you just kind of ride that and it just keeps going and it kind of adds up and you you controlled that. You just need to tell yourself to mm-hmm. stop. And so that, that became a, a verbal cue within my mind whenever I started thinking negative thoughts or when I started judging someone, I'd, I'd try to catch myself on it and be like, hey, no, stop. That's and beautiful. go somewhere else. It's it's like a curl. Like you bring it back. It's like a me- it's like mentally being fit. Like that's kind of what fit back is. It's like not just being physically fit, it's being like mentally fit, like resilient. Because like the more that you can catch yourself, the more you bring it back to present. And like that's where ha- happiness is, is being present right now. Like I could be here talking to both of you and I could be stressing about how many sales I'm making right now or like how many views I have, but that doesn't matter because all that matters right now is that I'm talking to you guys right now. And it's like when you can catch yourself and bring yourself back to now, it's like, it's huge. Cause the more and more that you do that, the more you stay in the now. Mm-hmm. Now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions we'd like to ask is what would you say to someone wanting to make a positive change in their life? Start inward. And I know that that sounds very daunting and sometimes you don't want to face yourself, but like that's really where it starts. And like I've had people message me and be like, well, what do I do? Like, can you help me come up with like a great quote like you did? You know, like grateful, so cool. Like, and I'm like, well, 
like, and I would tell them the story, like, this is why it means something to me. So just find some form of therapy or some form of release for yourself to go inward, mm-hmm. whether that's meditating, whether that's journaling, whether that's reading, to put yourself out of your yourself to, to kind of see what's happening. And I would say, like, for myself, and again, I'm not an expert, is just have some form of release, whether that's through working out, whether that's through journaling, to get whatever's in your mind or in your body out. And I think once you start to explore that, things will start to open up for yourself. Yeah. That's, it's important that, so it's, I like that you say look internally, and it's even the, it's, yeah, we always say start with the self, but even that's, beyond that, it's like, yeah, internally you want to make sure that you're coming from a place of like a good place, yes. whatever yeah. that is, right? So it's like, there may be things, and it is that self-assessment. I think that's very much the first step of, of almost anything. It's like, okay, what am I doing? What should I be doing? What do I need to be doing? What do I want more of? What am I good at? And like, yeah. so it's when you're willing to self-assess, you can usually find those answers of like, what should my outputs be? Where should I be heading with life? And all these different, you know, these tangible things that you can be doing. And so it's like, and then you can build outwards. Yes. Then you can find that creative pursuit on whether it is working out that you decide that's what you need, whether it is I want to be writing or or creating websites, like whatever that thing is, like it's only in that self-reflection that you can figure that out. And so clearing your mind, having some way, whether it is meditation, walking in nature, um, I've used tarot, I've used, and, and so there's all different forms of it. Yes. Um, but then that's when those answers come, and that's when you can figure it out. When you create space in your mind, and those only happen when it's just you, no external noise. And if you can get that for yourself and do a little bit of that every day, you start to create that space where you, and then you start to think clearly and you start to get ideas for things. Mm-hmm. And like going inward to face like the things that you are scared to face, it's like, face it head on. Like mm-hmm. that's literally what face your fears, fear less means. It's like it's face, yeah, it's like face what it is that really bugs you, that really affects you as a person. And if you can face it, understand it, you can let go of it. And then from there you can move on and just try to like grow from there. And then f- working on the internal stuff is like being present, being okay with yourself, forgiving yourself, having compassion for yourself. And then from there, then you can start to have compassion for other people. You can start to understand where people are coming from, why people say th- certain things, why people do certain things and understand that they're just humans. And then through that, I feel like you can really start to change and grow. Yeah. I know one of the most powerful things that has spoken to me since the beginning was from Tony Robbins and is the, the whole power of choice, which is yes. the most powerful thing that, at your disposal. It's not... It's not what happens to you. It's not what's going on around you. It's it's what you decide to do. It's your choice, right? And you choose what to do about something. And you choose how to think about something. True. I agree 100%. I, I appreciate all these topics and even love these topics yeah. that have come up. Like I feel that it really gives a great sense of the picture of what life is and some of the challenges and some of the like successes and all these, you know, these turns like you've shared sort of like the creation of something new, the negative stories of life, and like it's, but it shows, and like what are some tools that you can use to overcome? What what does it feel like? And all these different parts of life. And I think that that's so great to just see the whole picture. 
like that. And I think that that's something that we enjoy doing is getting people's full story out there. And I'm almost excited to listen to this one back. And yeah. even like take, there's been so many books and so many podcasts and so many people mentioned where it's oh, yeah. like, it's really, I can intrinsically like, I'm excited. And I, I even see more of the things that I need in life from this conversation, which is, it's, it's that. interesting. Thanks, like, man. you know, we, not often you get to sit down with people for multiple hours and just talk about life. And I think that that's, it's, it's great to have an excuse to do that with microphones in front of our face and stuff mm -hmm. too. So um, I do have one more question for you. For sure. And this is something I haven't really asked anyone, but what is the legacy or impact that you're looking to have with Fitback and yourself on the world? That's a good question. I, going back to like that one person, like I just want to be able to kind of guide or help someone overcome something that they don't know how to do and no one in like i didn't have that in my life to say hey like you don't have to think that you're angry like you don't have to do that like it's okay like you're not your thoughts you're not this person that you think that you are like if you believe that you are you are and it's that prison that you put yourself in and so if i can just help create that space for people to make them realize that they don't have to think that that's who they are and they can literally attain everything or anything that they want in their life if they just put into action and believe, like that would be all I would want from, from FitPak is to truly help people from the inside to help them find their purpose in life. I couldn't say <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful Amazing. message and that's, that's the impact that people should look to have. It's like, let's lift yeah. each other up. If we were all lifting one other person up, then we'd all elevate. We'd <laughs> and all maybe elevate. that's the next one. Maybe that is but the next one. <laughs> I already just, like, it's funny. I have this little red uh, Fitpack book and it's all my ideas. And like, it was like, yeah, like a page of campaign ideas. And there's grateful, fear less, and then elevate. And I already drew out the logo and everything. But yeah, it's awesome. like, it's, it's this scarcity mindset where, you learn something and then you think, I can't share this with anybody because then if I do, then they're gonna be as good as me and then it doesn't make me different. And that's kind of literally where I've been with the whole mobility thing. Like I like, I almost do feel like a fraud and I'm like, I don't think of myself as an expert. I just practice it all the time. So I can explain uh, a stretch or you know mobility technique to you just like that because I've done it so many times that I feel competent with it. And I look up to people that, you know, that I learn from that, I, that teach me it. And then I just teach it to other people. So in my mind, I don't feel like I'm this expert, but it's just putting in the reps of whatever it is, learning it and then teaching it to other people. And then through that, I feel that you can master whatever it is you want. Yeah. Being able to teach is a level of mastery. Once you can explain the phys especially movements, it's like, once you can explain it, that's a whole nother level, but it is that like, let's lift each other up. It's like, we've all had teachers. Yeah. We've all had these positive role models. We've all had books or things. Yeah. Let's share this with one another. Exactly. And hopefully the right things find the right people and we can help each other on this journey. I think often, I mean, I am a competitive person and there's sometimes, it's, it's strange that duality of life because I think it's, it's important to have a competitive drive and want to better yourself. And sometimes that means I mean, if you're playing a sport, it's trying to be better than the person across from you. And it's, that's a motivating factor. 
But then there's also working together. For sure. And you can get, you know, we talked about this quote, but it was, if you want to go, well, it was actually Andy Sharma. I can't take credit for it. <laughs> but it was, if you want to go fast, go alone. Right. If you want to go far, go together. And so let's, let's connect. Let's bring each other yeah. up and let's make that positive difference together. And I think that's what this is. That's the message, like, help that one person or help them. It doesn't matter, like, as long as you're helping lift people up. For sure. You you help that one person, and then through their experience, they get so motivated that they help another person, and then it just keeps happening. Like, if, if, if I could have any wish for the world, it would be that every single person on the face of this earth finds their purpose. Mm-hmm. Because the feeling of being fulfilled is so beautiful. And, like... I really wish that everyone could find that realization for themselves. It's yeah. it's interesting because as I grow older, I look back on my past and, and like there was a point when personal things like personal development and helping others was of zero interest to me. Yeah. And maybe it's just an age thing, but or maybe it's just the people I surround myself with. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely I see it in you and Riley and, uh, and a lot of the other people, my friends. As we grow older, it's almost as if we we kind of shift into that that perspective of of the teaching role and wanting to help others. For sure. So I think that's super fascinating and and you know what, I hope everyone has that journey. Yeah. Kind of as they grow older and I mean I speak my, speak like I'm super old but I'm not but Yeah. It's funny cuz like um in school like before uh Fitpack was created um with my buddies Tyler Prasad and then Taylor David uh, Kachorik, we had a project uh, of creating like a brand. So we had to make shirts. And so they went drinking one night and they were like, okay, so we got this cool name. It's called Owl. And, but we don't know what the abbreviation is. We don't know what it stands for, but I think that's what it's going to be like. um, And my buddy's like, I can make the logo. It's going to be sick. We can make shirts. It'd be cool. And so then we were drinking one day and then, um, and then I looked at them like, I got it. And they're like, I'm like old wisdom leads. And they're like, that's sick. So we made it. Yeah. We made this thing called old wisdom leads. And I didn't know at the time, but like, I'm like, okay, that's perfect. Cause like, I'm the old one. Cause I was the oldest one. And then I'm like, Dave, you're the wise one. And then Tyler, you're the one that leads. Cause you're the youngest one. And he's like the best or fastest designer. But now people are saying that to me. They're like, you're so wise. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But it's like through me just teaching what I've learned from other people that I look at as an expert, like people look at me as this expert. But again, it's like, I don't really feel that I am. I'm just sharing what I've learned. And the more you share, the more you learn, the better you become, the better other people become. So as one collective, we all elevate, not just keeping it to yourself. Because through that, no one's going to become better. Only you do. And then what's going to happen with that? Mm-hmm. It's like share what you learned. It's not meant to keep. It's meant to share. Right? God, I got to start sharing even more. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, makes you, it makes you learn more. You evolve more. Like, to, tell you, to be honest, like at, at Good Life, no one really used any of the bands or none of that stuff. And then I would literally, when I read the um, Kelly Starrett's book, How to Become a Supple Leopard, I was obsessed. Every day I went in there and I would practice every single stretch and mobility technique. 
And now every trainer uses band. Yeah, and, but it's not me starting it because I didn't create it. I just practiced it and I just did it. And then through that, I would teach other people and then they would do that. And then, but in my mind, I'm like, I can't share this with people because then they're, that this is what makes me different. And then if they're doing it, then, then what makes me special? But it wasn't even about that. It's about making everybody else better. It's about creating awareness to help people function better as a human being. And I keep having to remind myself that because I keep getting caught up. Like my ego will be like, don't share, don't share. But it's like, no, like, shut up, Steve, share. Like that's what it, that's what it's about. Um, and since I've been there, you've shared a lot with the all the Good Life crew and trainers that have been there. I th- I think out of any of the other trainers, I've learned the most out of you. Thanks, from you man. for sure. And honestly, in my head, I I sometimes like think the complete opposite. I think don't give, don't give. But it's like no, like I have to, like I have to share. It's because literally, it's like you. Um, I heard this quote in uh, Will Smith. By the way, I love Will Smith. I love that he's on social media because I used to, I've watched every single Fresh Prince episode since I was a kid. Nice. Yeah. Smith. Um, I'll be honest with that. I cried legit to two, two episodes. The one where his father left. And then the second was when um, Carlton took the speed from his locker. Oh, okay. and then And then, no, sorry, I had three. And then he got shot. Anyways, um, Will Smith uh, was on a YouTube video with like this uh, tennis player who's in a wheelchair. And in the beginning of the video, he says, in order to innovate, you have to imitate. And so literally that's kind of where I feel like I'm at right now. Cause it's like, okay, like I'm just learning all these techniques and mobility from people, but really I feel like I'm a fraud and sharing it because it's not me. So people think like, you, you know, all this stuff. It's like, well, no, I don't. I just learned it. But through repetition and through sharing, you start to mold and evolve into this, your own self, your own self. And I think that's kind of where, what makes you unique is like, you learn, you share, and then you evolve. And then through the evolving, you become this person that you envision. And if you just keep doing that, like you just become this wicked superhero for yourself. You know, you be the hero of your own story. You, you, you're the captain of your own ship. You, you decide what you want to do with your life and you have one life. Like, why wouldn't you try? If you fail, you fuck up. Who cares? Keep going. Yeah. Grant Cardone is like this crazy, like sales dude, and I don't even know his actual like term of what he is. I just seen him on Instagram, but he had his video. He says, "In baseball, you have three strikes, and then after that, you're out. But in life, you have it's unlimited. Like imagine playing a video game, and you had unlimited lives. Like that's us." So it's like, yeah, like these things that you want to do for yourself are extremely difficult, but like, don't you want to try? Yeah. You're allowed to fail. You're allowed to fail. It's okay. Like the best lessons you get in your life are from failing. So it's like, go ahead and fail. Just keep going. And I I look at, I have to trick myself into doing things. So it favors me. So I always look at things as an experiment because if it's an experiment, it's okay if it, if it doesn't work out because it's just an experiment. So I always look at everything that I do as an experiment. Should I post this video now and promote it? Or should I launch it after? Or should I launch it before? And I was freaking out yesterday. And then I'm like, Steve, just try it. If it doesn't work, it's okay. Because then you know for the next time. It's like experiment, experiment, experiment. 
you're, it's you, you have one life, you have one mind, just do it. Just try it. Yeah. We're only limited by our own beliefs, mm -hmm. our own imagination, our own ideas, our own... You could continue down that list, but it's like, yeah, we only, you can only limit yourself. And so if you think you're only going to achieve a certain point, that's your barrier right there. But if as soon as you're willing to, to just go and stop making those limitations and just head towards... That's that's that purpose, right? Yeah. It, it it creates that infinite ceiling where there's yes. there's no telling where you could end up or what you could accomplish because you just keep going. Yeah, and, for sure. And one day we'll make it there. Yeah, when, uh, you will. When I when I saw your fearless brand, actually the fir first person that came to mind was Will Smith because he's he's in one of the vi those videos that I constantly yeah. listen to over and over, and he has a lot of quotes that I like to quote. But like one of them is is about fear, and he's fear uh, motivates me. I try to do things that I'm scared of so that I can be better. Yeah. He, it's funny because like I already had the logo and everything designed and then I watched the video and he had a hat that had fear on it with it crossed out. And I'm like, well, I can't do it now. <laughs> you know, my brother was like, and then I'm like, well, what about like Tim Ferriss? He's like, man, like it's okay because you're a bridge, you're a gap to other people that don't know it. Like you're just teaching them, like just like they're sh sharing because they learned it from somebody else. So it's like, don't be afraid to put it out. Just do it. Yeah. Because you help somebody. Like the limiting um, beliefs, it's like this fake roof you put over your head. And a lot of times if you're looking to do something and you're scared, you almost look for appro approval from other people. And it's almost like if they don't understand, they'll put it down and be like, oh, you want to do that? That's so hard. Like why? And then it kind of hinders you from doing it. But like sometimes you don't have to take what they're saying. You just take it with a grain of salt and just like, go, okay, cool, thank you. And just keep going because if it truly feels right, and you, you feel that that's what you're supposed to do, it doesn't matter what anyone else says, even if it's your best friend or your mom or your dad or whoever, just do it. Mm -hmm. Like, just do it. Because yeah. if you don't, that regret is, like, I, I couldn't live with regret. Like, you know, like, it's just, you just got to try. Yeah. It's that in, intuition and following mm -hmm. the heart and just whatever you want to call that voice, but it's like, You'll know, You'll know. The, the right path if you trust yourself. So I know we're two and a half hours okay, into man. this I thing. feel like we can talk forever. I, like we just I know, keep I, going. There's, there's, just, there's so many amazing topics that we've covered. So I'm so glad that we've sat down and had Thank this you. conversation. So to sum up, where can we find, where can we keep up to date with you, Steve, and FitPack, and how do listeners get their hands on some awesome gear? So what's social media, website, et cetera? Yeah, so just currently uh, I'm a one-man show. So just Team FitPack with a K on Instagram or TeamFitPack.com for the website. Um, just trying to... I kind of don't know what I'm doing, but also just kind of going with it. So just really trying to build the brand, build awareness to help people. And you can buy gear on the site and just follow along with the journey, just like I'm in the trenches, just like you guys are. So yeah. And you have a um, lot of informative videos they go up to. Thank you. So just even for that. Thank you. Yeah. I, it's, uh, I have a lot that <laughs> I have that I don't even remember that I've, that I've edited and posted because I just have so much. And I get very overwhelmed and, you know, the anxiety that I have comes back very often, but it's just remembering and stopping and then reflecting and being like, you know what, like I've not even just, just more of the personal growth. Like in the last two years, like I'm so proud of myself, like internally, like I've grown so much. And you should be proud. Thanks, man. And so like, I appreciate you guys having me here yesterday. I was freaking out and I'm like, why am, why am I even on here? Like, <laughs> I don't even have a business that... 
Like they've interviewed people that have like a storefront and all these things. And I don't even know what I'm doing, but like, I've wanted you on this podcast since day one. Thanks, man. And I'm glad we could finally make it work. It's always been one thing or another, but we finally got you on. I'm I'm very appreciative and super grateful for you guys having me on here. I love that you guys are doing this. And I really feel that you guys are uh, living your purpose and that you are um, helping so many people out there. Like there's a lot of people doing podcasts, but you guys will find, like, I mean, you, you guys are doing it in your way. And I think that's what makes it unique. And I don't really know of anyone else doing this in Winnipeg. And, like, you guys are both great human beings. And I feel that you guys are going to help make positive change in this world. So thank you again for having me. I love you guys. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Thanks, guys. Thank awesome. you, Steve. No, we're, it's, it's been awesome having you. I know we've been trying to make this happen and, and, you know, getting to know more about your story and meeting you this week and going through stretch, like, and mobility exercises. It's like, it seems like the perfect timing all of a sudden. Yeah. And then, like, everything works out and launching a brand and things. So like, we're super excited for you and like Thanks, even to make this connection. And I'm sure we'll be seeing each other a lot more in the near future. So I'm excited for that. Like that's one of the things like that connection and meeting like-minded people and getting to learn their stories is amazing. Yeah. And so I'm thankful and grateful for that today. We'll, we'll have to get you on again. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Part two. There's so many things that I want to say, but I know. it's okay. Like, I know. Next time. Yeah. And as always, We'll do our little sign-off. We're Be The Change. You can find us on social media at Be The Change YPS on both Instagram and Facebook. As always, if you have any information, guest ideas, anything at all, you can send it to info at bethechangeyps.com. Our new email, not our old email with all the dots and stuff. Our website, check out um, all the podcasts on the website on bethechangeyps.com. We are looking to change a little bit of our content and maybe how you interact with it. So you'll likely find some shorter clips of videos and some, so that you can get cool insight um, quickly. I know that it's a time investment if you're trying to find the tidbits of wisdom within a two hour podcast or hour and a half or how long it may be. So we're really gonna try and engage and find a way to help people out there. Yeah, some exciting things coming. So, some sure. exciting things coming. So. We're excited. We hope you are too. Subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you're listening, be that Spotify or iTunes. And enjoy football today, <laughs> but I guess it'll be, it'll already have happened when you see this. But enjoy the Super Bowl coming up too. And uh, we'll see you soon. Take care out there. Take care. Thanks again, Steve. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve.